This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 23rd, 2014. Joy in giving. Yes, yes, we can build a church. Woo! All right, yes, and whatever it takes, right? But I think we're still going to need the bank. I think we still need (laughs) the bank. That's exactly right. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name still is Carrie Jones. And I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made. No accident that any one of us are here today. God, I would ask that you would settle us in, that we might absorb what you have in store for each one of us through your word, through one another, through worship. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. So we share, as we shared previously, the book of Philippians found in the New Testament, written by Paul, a letter to the church at Philippi, is filled with joy. Three weeks ago, we, we looked at chapter one and talked about the joy of suffering, the joy in suffering. Week two, we talked about the joy in serving. Last week, we looked at the joy in believing. And today, as the little film clip there shared with us, we're going to look at the joy in giving. And so let's jump right in. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So here we have Paul, who's on house arrest in Rome, who's in a great position to be feeling very sorry for himself and having a round-the-clock pity party. Instead, he's writing letters of encouragement to the churches that he started in Greece. This is the last part of his letter to the church at Philippi, and he reminds them in this section of the letter how much he loves them, how much he longs for them. They are his joy and his crown. Joy, as we've shared previously, comes from knowing that God loves us, that God cares for us, that no matter what happens, God is on the throne, God is in control, and somehow things will be okay. And the crown is not a crown that a king would wear, but it's a victory crown, the kind of crown that you place on the one who wins the race. It's the victory uh, Paul has of knowing that all of his hard work is finding fruit in them, these people in Philippi who are following Christ. And then Paul tells them to stand firm. Can you say that? Stand Stand firm. firm. We read at the end of chapter 3, which we talked about last week, how do we stand firm? Well, we stand firm because we stay ever focused on Jesus. We don't allow temptation to kind of sink in, but we just keep our eyes and we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. We're standing on this firm foundation and that nothing can steal, kill, or destroy our joy. That's what Satan wants to do. The culture just kind of messes with us. But our joy is full because we stand 
firm. Mm. Paul then goes on in the next two verses to, to plead with a couple of women in that congregation to not allow division to, become be, to come between them. And he then asked the person that he's writing this letter to, and we're never told who that is, but he asked that person to help these, these two women with that assignment, to not allow themselves to be divided. You see, once again, as we looked, see, saw previously a couple weeks ago, unity is absolutely crucial. You see, Satan likes nothing better than to come between us, to cause division, to separate us one from another. Carrie and I are very aware of this because we know Satan would like nothing better than to come between us because if he does, it's a trifecta. He separates us from each other, so we lose. And then our family, it messes up our family, and then it messes up an entire congregation. And so we have to be constantly aware, and there are times where you go, huh, okay, because he kind of creeps in. He's secret. He's, he, he knows your hot, better, hot, hot buttons better than you do. You know what I mean by hot buttons? Those little things that when they get pushed, you do goofy things. You do crazy things. You do things that just cause division. They cause hurt. They cause pain. And Satan knows just what to push. And even when you're not aware of it, and that's the, most, the tough, toughest part, because you're not aware of what's going on until after the fact. And then you look back and go, oh, boy, I fell into that trap. Be aware, Satan knows your hot buttons, and he's looking to push them all the time. Don't let him push them. Be aware. And so let's continue Philippians 4, picking it up at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. This is the third congregation that didn't sound very rejoiceful here. I will say it again. Thank oh, you. Boy, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I love this part of scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. I know you want to say it with me. Come on. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord. Say it again. Rejoice, Rejoice in, in the, the Lord, Lord always. In fact, it was so important that Paul says he's going to say it again. Rejoice! Rejoice. And then Paul goes on to share one of the most quoted uh, verses of Scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with, boy, this is timely, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Basically, boiling this down, he's saying, stop worrying and start praying. It's pretty simple. Stop worrying, start praying. Ask God for what you need. And always, always do it with an attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving. This stop worrying and start praying bit is a little challenging to many of us. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. You know, because you think to yourself, if I don't worry, who's going to do it? And are they going to do it right? Can they do it as good as I do? Because I got the gift of worry, right? I know, I don't. I'm horrible at worrying. But I know some of you do. And you want to make sure it's done right. You know, 95, a study showed that 95% of the things we worry about never even come to pass. And the other five, most of the time, aren't nearly, nearly as devastating as you worried they were going to be. Yep. And so it's easier, though, to say it than to do it, isn't it? To st say stop worrying than to do it. Keep in mind that this, uh, 
that the person saying this, Paul, he's under house arrest at the time. Previously, he's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. You name it. He, all those things. And he's, he's following Christ very closely. All this because of his faith. And somehow, he's still able to focus on joy rather than worry. And so there's an outcome of taking all things to God in constant prayer. And it's the peace of God which transcends all understanding. You know, there's so many challenges and twists and turns in life, and it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. But peace can come and can be in your heart in the midst of everything that uh, this world brings to you. About 25 years ago or so, it's before I was a pastor, I was a younger mom, and uh, we were in a really bad spot in our family. One of our kids wasn't feeling so hot, and it wasn't days, but it extended into weeks and even months. And we were kind of at the our end of our rope, like, God, you know, where where's the relief? Where's the break in all this? And you know, it's kind of like what David did in the Psalms. He cried out to God. I mean, can you even hear me, God? And so that's, that's where I was this one particular night. And I, I did, I had this Bible with me. And uh, I was in disciple Bible study at the time, Dave Rosenblatt. So that's how important, you know, studying the Bible. And I did one of these kind of things where it's like, okay, God, just talk to me. And flipped it open I, I don't really recommend that because it's probably not, you know, really sound. But in my case, uh, it flipped open and it's like this, whoa, like these. That's a heck of a Bible, isn't it? <laughs> I, I kid you not, <laughs> this is the truth. I would, take, I would take a bullet for this. The words, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God will you know, come. That was highlighted. It's like it was backlit. It was lit up. I don't have it highlighted in this Bible. I do have it underlined. It was not highlighted, but it was God's way of telling me, Carrie, I've got this. I've got it. Yeah, yeah, the it's tough. It's hard, but I've got it. And so I will never forget that, and that's one of my markers when I'm struggling on something and when I get too worried about something, I think, okay, you know, I remember that moment. Remember moments, those, those points in your lives where God showed up. I remember that, and, you know, things didn't change right away. It still was tough, but I was different, and my heart was different, and I felt the peace that passes all understanding. And I was able to cope just a little bit more than I was before. And so our question for you this morning, one of a few questions, but this one is, are you at peace? Do you know the peace that passes all understanding? Are you able to find calm somehow in the midst of the storms in your life? We, we encourage you to talk to God about the stuff that's bringing you worry the stuff that's causing you stress and challenge, the, the storms in your life. And we encourage you to try hard to share these worries with the Lord, kind of download them, so to speak, to Him. 
Remember the words of Jesus from Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Anybody here worry, weary and burdened? Amen on that. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that just, doesn't that just take a load off just reading that? Take my yoke. You know, the yoke was that collar they put around a couple ox to, to take their power and put it into the plow. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, here's that word again, rest in your soul. Rest twice in this passage. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You read that, Pat, don't you just feel... You know what? Things are going to be okay, aren't they? Things are going to be okay. Yeah. Paul continues on in chapter 4, picking it up at verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, say the rest, and the God of peace will be with you. And so Paul's going, hey gang, keep yourselves focused on the right things, on the things God would have you focus on, on the things you saw me, Paul, focusing on. He says, you know, I've tried to model godly behavior for you. Follow the model. When you try to follow God, what God would have you do, he's saying, it's only natural that God will be with you. And you will find peace. You know, we've been talking about joy for four weeks. Peace and joy go hand in hand, don't they? Peace and joy. Can you imagine how different our lives could be if every day we thought about things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, and admirable. Can you imagine how different our days would be, our workplaces would be, our, you know, our thoughts about school, our, our community, whatever, how different things would be? Now, I was in a really bad place on Friday. I just was, I felt like mad, and I didn't know why. I was just out of sorts. And my Bible study is actually studying this, and we read this scripture, but I was so closed that I don't even, I couldn't even take it in. It was just like, err. And I would say to you, when you read scripture, just say, God, open my heart so that I can receive everything that you have in store for me, because, you know, I wasted a day, God's day, feeling out of sorts and not being joyful. But we can be joyful because when we practice all this, we feel closer to God and no matter what our circumstance, there's this, this rest, this peace that comes about. So we encourage you to try this on for a week. Try this on, think about it, and maybe your world will change. Hmm. And then there's some movement here. Paul moves from this attitude of gratitude to kind of the joy of giving. He, he begins by thanking the church there at Philippi for what they have given him 
although he says he has learned to be content with whatever he has. He says through times of plenty and times where it was lean, he's learned the secret of being content in all situations, well-fed or hungry, and plenty or in want. The secret is that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. In other words, it's not what we have, but who we have that's the secret. Say that again, it's not what we have, but who we have, and who we have is Jesus Christ. When we have Jesus, that makes all the difference in the world. Then Paul tells the Philippians how thankful he is, how grateful he is, how much he appreciates their gifts, their giving, their generosity. And he talks in this chapter about how, how he um, appreciates so much, how much they shared with him while he was on the road and while he was in prison, not even while he was right there with them, but they continued to support him with their prayers and their gifts. Paul was a missionary. He started uh, many churches that we read about in scripture. There are modern missionaries. We support a missionary named Koshi Baby. That's exactly right. And we need to pray for him daily as we continue to send monthly support to Koshi so that he can minister to a population that we cannot reach in New Delhi, India. You know, there were 14 families that were missionaries that helped start Connection Community Church. And we huddled together in this room one day, and we're saying, oh, wow, let's see, worship starts in about five weeks. What do we do? We don't have chairs. That's what Mike was saying. Yeah, we don't have chairs. <laughs> and we don't have rent. And so people gave sacrificially that day, and $17,000, $18,000 was raised in cash among 14 families mm. so that we could have our first worship In service. one week. In one week. It was an incredible time. It felt like an Acts 2 church way, way, way in the very beginning. And so I just gotta, I gotta say to you guys, David and Ann Ruskowski, part of the launch team, David was our first lead team chair and carried our church from day one for several days and they're visiting from Texas. It's wonderful to see you. Let's tell them how much we appreciate them. By the way, they're our daughters-in-laws. <laughs> and Megan's here from Texas as well. Woohoo! yay Megan. All right, so um, when we experience God in such a, a close and intimate way through generosity, God gets all the glory. It, it has nothing to do with us. It's all about God. You know, with the joy in giving, and in our society, giving, we usually start with money, right? But the challenges in the church... A lot of people don't like it when you talk about money. They think it's a four-letter word, even though that doesn't work. But, you know, but we have to talk sometimes about money because that's the medium of exchange that we use. You know, when, when, when we go down to the electric, to the town hall there, we don't go in with a smile and say, can you give us some electric so we can turn on the lights? <laughs> that's that's not going to cut it. We've got lights today because some of you put some cash out there, wrote a check, had it automatically drawn however you give, and everything else around here. You know, it's not all about money, but money's necessary 
to drive this engine, even though we hate talking about it, we got to talk about it because it's important. It's, it's, it's how we do business. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, they talked about, uh, uh, it wasn't money so much, but it talked about a concept of tithing. And tithing was where it wasn't so much about money, it was about our relationship with God. Because tithing said, you know, it's all God's. But he's going to let us keep 90%, but he wants us to bring 10% off the top into the storehouse. Back then, it was an agrarian society, so it was literally the first fruits. Maybe you've heard of that. You know, out of the field, the first fruits were brought into the storehouse before anything else, because we wanted to remember who is most important, who's number one, who's top of the chain, and that's God. And so we give God his, and then God allows us to, to, to uh, be good stewards of the other 90%, which is still his, but he allows us to care for it, allows us to care for it. And that idea of tithing still continues today. And we don't talk about it a lot, we don't beat it to death, but we just today we'll take a couple minutes and tithing, for us, we encourage you all to tithe, and I'm going to tell you why. We need money to run the show here, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is because that's what God calls us to do. And God also, in Malachi, I said Micah, the first two services, Malachi, we got that one right. Malachi, he, um, God says, you know, if you bring into my storehouse the 10%, I'm going to open the floodgates of blessing, the floodgates of heaven and blessing on you. Now, floodgates, uh, the purpose of a floodgate is to keep the flood out. If you open a floodgate, you're going to be flooded. Yeah. Now, we don't want to be flooded with water. That's why the purpose of a floodgate. But who here, who here would love to be flooded with blessing? And if you don't have your hand up, no offense, but you're goofy, man. <laughs> why wouldn't you want to be flooded with blessing? Blessing's good stuff. And you say, well, gosh, how could that happen, Alan? Well, if you trust in God, he says, bring me the 10% and I will flood you with now, some people say, oh, my blessing's going to be I'm going to get rich and famous. I'm not rich. I'm not famous. So that isn't, that's not how it works. But I am rich in the blessings that God has shared, not money blessings, although we have plenty to do what we need to do, but in the blessings of living. Most importantly, we're blessed to know that we're not going to let money control us. We're not going to let it have a grip on us. We're going to be open to what God wants us to do with that money. That's where the blessing comes. We would encourage you all to tithe. Now, you know, I've said long ago, if, we, if everybody in the church tithes, we wouldn't have to think twice about money. We wouldn't have to think twice about how we're going to build a building up the road. It would be so. But that's, again, that's secondary. Primary is we'd like to see each and every one of you blessed with a flood of blessing from the Lord. He promised it. We trust his promises to the point of this. We give you the, uh, the tithing guarantee. What do we call it? The tithe, what is it called? Tithing challenge. The tithing challenge. You tithe for three months. Three months. And if you haven't been blessed, we'll give you your money back. Sounds like a TV commercial, doesn't it? <laughs> and if you act now, you get the greatest hit. No, uh, you get your money back. So I encourage you to try it and be blessed. If you want for more information, there's some brochures out by the uh, guest services. You say, well, I can't go. I'm only giving 1%. How can go to 10 well, some people have done that. The other thing is, if that scares you, go to two, and then three, and then four, and you know what? In time, you'll end up at 10, and you'll be going, wow, 
I didn't think I could do it, but I can. And you know what? Somehow I'm managing to survive and, in fact, thrive on the 90%. Encourage you to try it. Be blessed. Amen? Amen. So we just hope that everybody experiences joy. And we don't do this out of um, obligation or if it's a, with a grumbling spirit. That's not what, what God wants. But to be blessed and to joyfully joyfully give. What happens is that we end up having a philosophy of generosity. Mm, philosophy of generosity. That takes the joy of giving and it's like it's on steroids, okay? Philosophy of generosity invades our being, our spirit. It goes to the core of our soul, creating us in all times and all places a need to give, a need to share with those around us. It goes far beyond tithing. In fact, it goes far beyond money. We saw it here last weekend when we had that coat giveaway. 250 coats somewhere around there were turned in. And by you, uh, by them. Yeah, yeah. by all y'all, all y'all. And, uh, and then this, plural, right? You taught me that, all y'all. And then 250, y'all singular, all y'all is plural, okay? So all y'all gave the 250, and then we um, pretty much gave away all 250, but that was just the tip of the iceberg, man. People came in, there was food, there was fellowship, there was fun. People here at CCC just, they gave more than their coats, they gave themselves that day, you know? It was like a party. We went in the garage, it was a party in there, wasn't it? It was awesome. Uh, people generous with their time, their talent, their treasure. That's what we're talking about, this uh, philosophy of generosity. And how about the Peach Festival? Yeah. Hey, guess what? Joel's here because of the Peach Festival. Hey, it's Joel. important. It is important. People come to Christ through something like a Peach Festival. Yeah, we hand out free snow cones and popcorn, and we have great inflatables, but it's so much more. It's about touching people in a way that's inviting and opening so that they might take the next step and explore, and our prayer is meet Jesus face-to-face. -face. You know, that Peach Festival has been part of our culture before we even had our first worship. We were going to have balloons down at Four, quarter and four Corners and, and cookies <laughs> before, in August 2001. We didn't worship until Christmas Eve 2001. And the balloons were cool. They said, Connection Community Church, they were kind of peach-covered, and they said, coming soon. <laughs> we had established when. We knew it was going to be Christmas Eve, but we didn't know where. <laughs> so we want to keep it minimal, but we wanted to get it out there. Coming soon. So we're gonna, and we've been given at that Peach Festival ever since, and that's just a cool thing to do. But that was just like the tip of the iceberg. We've had free car washes. We've had, as we did last week, and coat giveaways. Well, on the screen today, 110 boxes of brownies to put into the baskets to join in Bethesda and some other churches as we have this uh, baskets for Christmas, right? Is it Christmas? Yeah. Gifts for Koshi's kids in India. Uh, uh, Operation Christmas Child. So kids all over the world will have a little box. 607 boxes, by woo, the way. Woo, woo. woo! We have 400 cups of hot chocolate just so people can go, wow, um, who are you guys? One guy asked me one time when I was trying to give him hot chocolate. I said, we're Connection Community Church. He says, oh, you're the guys that do this kind of thing. You're the guys that do this kind of thing because you have a philosophy of generosity, you know? It's just cool. You know, our church, we tithe. The church tithes. We take 10% of what comes in 
and we put that out for missions, for outreach, for all those kind of things. We, we put it back out there. We believe in tithing. That's why we encourage you to tithe too, because what you tithe, we take 10% and it goes back out. Amen. So the philosophy of generosity starts with God. It starts with God. Everything we have is God's first. And God gave his very best for each one of us. God loved us so much and loves us so much that he gave his best, his one and only son. Can you imagine sacrificing your child for the world? I can't. God gave his one and only son for you. If you were the only one here, he would have done it anyway. For you. So that you might get some glimpse of how much you're loved. Of the depth of the love of a Savior. He came to save us from ourselves. To save us from our sins. That is the most generous gift we could ever, ever receive. And all we have to do is say, okay, God, I'm just opening up. Come into my life, and your life will be different. And if you've been with Jesus all this time, we need to say this every day. Okay, God, I'm going to come into my life again today, tomorrow, every day. God has been so generous. God loved us so that we could love. God loved us first so that we can love. That, my friends is the philosophy of generosity, and we didn't dream this up. God is God's plan for our lives. You know, the funny thing is, though, we often cling to our stuff like it's ours. Like, <laughs> I got news for you, friends, it isn't ours. It isn't ours, it's, it's God's, it's all God's. And he says, you know, you can, you, you're my stewards, take care of it for me, but just to make sure you know Who's in charge here? I want you to give me back 10% off the top just so we keep things straight. Don't ever forget, there's a, there's a book by a guy named John Ortberg, and here's the title. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. <laughs> you know, it's not ours, never was, never will be, and since it isn't ours, God wants to share to give, to be gen wants us to share to give to be generous just as God is. God is outrageously generous, scandalously generous, generous to a fault. And God wants us to be generous to a fault as well. So the question becomes this. How are you doing with it? <laughs> how are you doing with this generosity thing? Are you holding on to what you've got, pretending it's yours? It's not. It's all God's. We have this misguided thought, well, I worked for this and so it's mine. No. God blessed us. With a job, God blessed us with his stuff, our time, our talent, our resources. It's all his. And the good news here is that God loved us so much that he gave his son, but we can't outgive God because God just keeps being more lavish and just keeps dumping more and more and more on us. God gave his very best. And so we encourage you, to try it out and live a life of scandalous generosity, of thanksgiving, 
and actually what it's all about is thanks living for another day in his world. That's the good news. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, this is a, a pretty tough message. What do you mean, God, it's not mine? God, thank you for your word and for the way that we can absolutely trust you with everything. And God, help us surrender to you in a way that uh, might even surprise us. Thank you for surrendering your son Jesus who lived, died, and rose again so that we might have new life with you. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.